0: Welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts,
1: Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just Define the Relationship. Welcome back to the Define the Relationship podcast. This is episode 30 and Ted is here here it's good to be back with you we took a break from our regular um kind of theme that we were dealing with the reconstruction theme to uh get into some some local local stuff at our church and uh but we want to we want to pick up um with the reconstruction theme again and today we're i think what we're going to do over the next number of episodes is continue to address questions that have come in over the the past number of months about um, areas that need deconstruction and how we can think about reconstructing our theology and our faith in the midst of those questions. So uh, today, Darlene's going to be in the, uh, I don't know what, what to call this seat, the presentation seat or the... Um, the pseudo expert seat, or I don't, I don't know what it is exactly. What we, what we've been doing, if you haven't noticed, is we've been kind of taking responsibility for presenting some ideas in relationship to the question, and the other person kind of takes the the interview interviewee or interviewer position. And um, so today we want to deal with a question that I think we referred to. It's come up before in our conversations, and it's one that we we hear quite often and so um whoever shared this this specific question we thank you for it and so here's the question for you today darlene is there any point to christianity is the main question and then connected to that can't i just be a good person Mm -hmm. now before you get into that um we sometimes refer to as an elevator speech, which uh, refers to kind of you've got a minute or two to respond to something. Now, I'm wondering, you bump into somebody on the elevator and you happen to start discussing stuff, and they ask this question of you. Well, can't I just be a good person? How would you respond to that in the moment?
0: <laughs> uh, it's, you know, that's that question... <laughs> It's been asked by a number of people in different ways, and I have to say that I have spent probably the most time on that question. As, as many questions get asked, um, this question has really ruminated in, in the recesses and the forefront of my mind um, so often over the last months, uh, just kind of wrestling with well, what's really being asked when you're asking that question and so I am okay I have two qualifiers a I'm no expert not just this we'll just emphasize the pseudo part and uh I can't do an elevator speech because that's that's too much pressure but I'm going to try to give um a bit of a a process for how I've been thinking about that question and some areas that have helped me in thinking about that question.
1: So before we get onto that, and I mean, you should, you should give yourself a bit of credit because you just this past Tuesday, you handed in your final assignment for your master's program. You've done all the courses, all the modules. All that is waiting for you is a thesis paper that will be written in the next year. So, um, that's you, what makes you, me nervous. You, so you <laughs> so make,
0: I want to give I want to give myself less credit because of that because <laughs> I still feel like. Uh, so
1: we have high expectations for <laughs> you, Darlene. Right, um, thanks, thanks. But before you get into that, so what do you like? What do you think is behind the question? Like, I think that's such an like it. it it's almost. It's not become a cliche the question, but I think it's like it's right up there with um how can a good god cause or allow so much suffering in the world like that's a question that gets asked a lot or how can you worship a god who um who basically um validates genocide in the bible these kinds of things these are questions that come up so often and so you know we might want to sort of like shove them aside and say oh they're not that good they're not good questions but what
0: I think they are good questions, and I think they come from different perspectives. I don't want to assume that. I think there's different energies that um, motivate that question. So one, which I think we've talked about before, is, um, like, I, I think I've said that my reflexive response to the question has been good enough for what. Right. Um, and maybe something undergirding the question is good enough to get to heaven. Right. Right. Um, good enough to make it is kind of like, a, is it a measuring tool? But I think another, um, another thing that might be motivating the question is um, to what extent does Christianity the only answer for the good because we see goodness um, embodied in so many different ways. And so I think somebody's asking, can... Can goodness anywhere be, um, does it count? Right. Essentially. And I think that's a really good, I think that's a wrestle that, um, I mean, this is part of what I want to talk about that um, the work of philosophy, which I think. A lot of people love and a lot of people hate because they, people that maybe don't like it as much think about philosophy as something as dealing with the abstract. But it seems to me that humanity has always asked the question, what does it mean to be good? What does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to be a good society, a good community, a good whatever, fill in the blank? And so I think that the ways in which we engage these questions about, can it be good enough to be good? Then it, it lends itself to a lot more questions. So what is good? Right. And, uh, and, um So yeah. can I
1: just, just to summarize kind of the m- motivation aspect or just sort of, kind of mining a little bit beneath it seems to me that what you're saying by that is the question about am I good enough is maybe not as helpful a question partly because it it assumes maybe some of the it assumes some of the things that we've wanted to deconstruct this idea that some people are deemed worthy by their actions and others aren't, and we are going to separate those out, and how do I get into the right side of that separation? So that's maybe not a helpful question. But as you say, I mean, pretty much almost everybody that you encounter at some level is asking the question, what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to live in a good community? Mm -hmm. And how do I I become a part of that? And so the atheist, Mm -hmm. the Christian... The Muslim, the Jew, the Buddhist, I mean, er every one of those religions or those thought approaches are asking that question in some way. So it's a, it's a universal question. Right. So?
0: And it's the place where philosophy and, and religion also connect. So, um, because philosophy, you know, essentially deals with that question. So does religion deals with that question. Right.
1: So we sometimes think like, well, philosophy, I'm not I'm not into philosophy or I'm not into theology. Um, I don't want to be religious. And yet at, at sort of a base level, these are things that humans wrestle with even if they're not acknowledging it under those those titles. Right. Okay, so how do you wanna how do you wanna approach this question of the good?
0: Well, I'll I'll approach it with um, just a very elementary um, summary of uh, some stuff that we've been engaging in our, you talked about my classes in one of my philosophy classes, um, discussing um, Plato, who is probably one of the most famous philosophers, um, and Plato... Plato's really um, engagement in the question of 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 the good, and um, I, I, we're not going to go into a huge deep dive into Plato. But essentially, Christian philosophers like Plato would interchange good and
1: okay, God. Whoa, 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 whoa! Just for a second here, you said Plato was a Christian philosopher. I said Christian philosophers. Okay. He said, "Like Plato, or, or they they enjoy Plato." You mean, like
0: yeah? There's Christian ah, Platonists, okay. and then there's you know uh, non. I
1: th- okay, I just thought you were saying that Christians philosophers l- are like Plato, but you meant they they appreciate Plato, is what you're saying, right? Okay, sorry. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, um, but Plato uses good and God interchangeably. Okay. Um. And for Plato, the ideal is um, is of utmost importance. So he's looking at the forms and the ideals of goodness of um, and the way that people often talk about Plato's triad is what is good. The three eternals that he talks about are beauty, truth, and justice. Hmm. And the truth one, I think, sometimes different words get used, but it's like um, beauty, truth and goodness, or beauty truth and I can't remember what the other. Anyways, we'll work with beauty, truth and justice. And <clears throat> And so um, when we think about what is good, um, we can think about, you know, the exploration of beauty and truth and just and God as, um, God, good, this is, this is what that looks like. And it's not just some abstract, again, philosophy, not just some abstract, um, exploration of beauty, truth, and justice, and some kind of, but, but, but something that needs to be manifest in, in particulars, in the realities of how we, how a, how beauty is embodied, how justice is embodied, how, how truth is embodied. And so it gives us a picture, let's say of good. And then I guess, so if, if we would take that, and if we would believe that, um, you know, for, for people that, uh, believe that God and good are interchangeable, then God is good. Goodness is God. And, Our um, pursuit in this world is how we can participate in the good in the God, how we can participate in the eternals of beauty, truth, and justice.
1: And do you want to say a little bit, like you say, it's not an abstract thing, like, do you want to maybe give some examples about how good gets manifested or embodied by beauty, truth, and justice? Like, maybe there's some some kind of contemporary examples or, or things that we could really connect to in our life. Do you have some?
0: Well, uh, sure. I mean, I mean, and everything. Okay. So I'm going to look out the window and I see, you know, some bushes that are budding in our side yard. And I just saw a bird fly out above overhead and it's a blue sky. And, this is this is a beauty that I see. It is it is it is good, you know. It's it's life life is vibrating outside and it's it's moving. It is a way that beauty is being manifest. It's being it's particular, you know. Mm-hmm. Um this I'm smelling fresh bread that you baked this morning, your hands worked it, um, the flour and the water, like just by, you know, the actual ways in which the ingredients interact with one another to form something and how you participate in that. And, you know, and then it creates this sense of smell and I just ate a piece of it (laughs) and I tasted it, you know, it's like this, it, it it became tangible. It became something I ate and smelled and saw, and you're so passionate about it. And you're, you read about it and it's like, you know, you're participating in the learning of how does, what's the science of this? And, um, I I mean, I can look around in everything. What, what makes this chair good is that it's holding me up. Mm. It's, uh, it's it's something that's allowing me to sit at this table, um, so so we have these eternals. If 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 we are thinking about things from a platonic perspective, we have these eternal these forms, um, but they're they're things that we don't generate. They're things we we participate in. They uh, they're they're. Um, they're signposts for us, they're icons for us. Mm. And, and so you start to think about the question then about, well, can I just be a good person? And what if we took the word just out of it? Mm. Can I be a good person? Mm. And is there a sense that being a good person being a good church being a good community being a good world is about participating in the eternal uh, an eternal goodness um an eternal godness mm. um and somehow that just then that changes the feeling a little bit right mm-hmm. Um so one of one of the things I've struggled the most with in the conversation is like um, been both the curios- the curiosity to dig into it further, but also something about the question has rubbed me the wrong way hmm. because um it's also rubbed this sense of like that i can just do my th- my thing and i can be good and i can kind of be an individual it's like sort of this individualistic pursuit and i have these things within me and i can just do it and that's good enough and uh for my sensibilities of how we're connected in in this world and how how um Every what makes something who I am to be good, and in this regard, I think uh, Simone Vey has really impacted me in this last year. Reading some of her stuff through my classes, and um, it's really hard to summarize everything that she, the wisdom that she has. Uh, it's it's like. Incredibly challenging, but one of the things that really res-
1: before you get into that, can can you say a little bit about who Simone Veil is? That probably, I mean, it might be that like the last name is W E I L, so we might see it as Weil but it's it's who who is Simone Veil and like where does she located in history and what's kind of uh, the significance of?
0: So yeah, she was born in uh, in France in Paris. Uh, in the early 1900s, 1909, I think, and uh, died in 1943. She uh, was a philosopher, a mystic, um, and, I mean, one of the interesting parts about her is she became interested in Christianity a little bit later. She, she died when she was very young. She was a frail kind of... She dealt with a lot of sickness, Um. And she became very interested in Christianity. Um, but she never, she t- intentionally chose to stay outside of the church, uh, like Tanaka baptized, in order to identify with the people on the outside. Oh. And so that's kind of an interesting um, uh, thing about her. Mm-hmm. But in this um, translation of her work, um, translated by Brad Dersack, and it's called Awaiting God, um, there are, oh, I just encourage you to to read it if I think a lot of you would love it, um, if I'm thinking about my seeds community here. But she talks a lot about affliction, about the love of God and and. It talks about affliction and suffering and the differences between these things, but um, one of the things that has that kept impacting me through the book is how, um, you know, when you see something we're something just or say, when you experience compassion or you are a receiver of compassion, that you know it's it's never just just, uh, something that you've generated yourself. It's, it's, uh, it's only, it's only through Christ through us. So Mm -hmm. that's her understanding of, of God and the good is that what any good that happens is, is the manifestation of God through participating with humans Mm -hmm. And so, um, so a couple of snippets, love of neighbor is the love that descends from God toward humanity. Love of neighbor is the love that descends from God toward humanity. It is prior to that, which rises from humanity to God. Um, Even if they don't find a name to give him where the afflicted are loved for themselves, God is present. God is not present even when invoked where the afflicted are simply an occasion for doing good. Even if they are loved on this account, for then they are in their natural role, in their role as matter, as things. They are loved impersonally. And we must bear a personal love to them in their inert, anonymous state. It is in true love, then, it is not who loves the afflicted in God. It is God in us who loves the afflicted.
1: So there's two sides of that that I'm hearing from that perspective. On the one hand, is a recognition that by even if one doesn't acknowledge, the reality of God in the midst of actions of good. They are saying that they are only possible and they are infused with God in the doing. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, the Mm -hmm. opposite is that the ones who are quick to put theological language or put God talk in the presence of their actions and what they're doing, be it devotions like, you know, piety of praying, scripture reading, going to church, or doing things for those who have needs, that it's possible to actually cut off the flow of God's presence in actions by the way that one is treating somebody, if they're just treated as an object um, or as sort of a means to an end.
0: Yes. Yeah, and she explores that in depth in in lots of other places but like yeah um that sense that um if you pass by somebody and without noticing them. The only person that, like she says, what person is able to discern them if Christ himself does not look through our eyes? We only notice that they behave strangely sometimes and we reprimand behavior or we are compassion, like uh, where, where, oh yeah, she says, when compassion truly produces itself, it is a miracle more astonishing than walking on water healing the sick, or even resurrection of the dead. So she's distinguishing sometimes between, you know, acts that we say are good things, you know? Like, I think I referred to this story of being in the city, and, oh, okay, I'm going to give you this tuny, this person that is standing at the corner asking for money, and I'm looking for it, looking for it, and then the person says to me, you can just smile at me, you know? It's like, oh, I was like wanting to do something good and he reflected back that like look at me so they would say when compassion truly produces itself it's it's like a miracle it's more it's it's more miraculous than than if uh if somebody rose from the dead Mm -hmm. which is amazing then like again we're we're like um we're like uh, what's what's that what's that word called when we're like elevating a conversation? Then good becomes not just like oh you want a piece of bread here I'll give it to you. Right. That's just like you deserve a piece of bread. That doesn't make anything extraordinary. I've just given you a piece of bread. If something of actual true justice and beauty and truth and compassion manifests itself, then they says it is because mm-hmm. we are participating with the good, the good
1: right. God. So so let's circle, this is, this is really good stuff that they that is giving us um, and sort of the, well, kind of the, the unintended consequences of, of certain actions and sort of how our intentions can actually sabotage the good by the heart that we bring to it the attitude or the energy that we bring to it which is a really great conversation so how does this circle back now to the question that we started with like um, what does it mean to be a good person and how does like if i would one way i could read vey is to say that well i mean and th- you mentioned before about how something that rubs you wrong about can i just be a good person question is the individualism about something i'm just going to do on my own But I think that part of where that question comes from people is they view, they have a perspective and an experience, and they've observed the Christian community Mm -hmm. um, doing very ungood work.
0: yep. And want to distance themselves from it.
1: And so they feel like, here's a good example, and they would sort of say, hey, that's true, you know, like, I mean... Um, sometimes the good that the Christian community is trying to do is self-serving and it's about, um, well, maybe it's colonial, it's colonialism cloaked in, in good. Like, so, you know, we're bringing you, um, um, civilization. We're yes. civilizing you and we're, we're giving, we're, you're no longer barbarians, but we're making you into something better. Um, that kind of stuff, or, you know, where, um, especially probably in areas where Christian communities have thought about purity cultures and saying like, well, you know, you need to be like this to be on the inside and be pure. And if you're not this way, if uh, may have to do a sexual orientation, it might have to do with racial differences, but, um, you know, you're on the outs. And so I think that's often where that question comes from, is that we're seeing the ungood coming out of these communities and and they kind of reinforces that so doesn't this seem to say that well it sounds like one could one could tap into the goodness of of god and do that outside of the Christian community. You even said that they kind of chose not to align herself ritually with the community, even though she felt very, um, she resonated with the, with the heart of Christianity and how that, how Christ is the embodiment of the good and God. Um, so does, so does they kind of saying that, yeah, you know, we can kind of do this on a freelance kind of freelance journey.
0: Yeah, well I mean you I yeah, I don't want to speak for, for a vey maybe on that that side, but you could you could read more about that experience. I think I mean some of what you described is true, but it's also like people wanting to distance themselves from what they see as a botched job by the church. Mm-hmm. Um but also even deeper than that, about how the how God has been envisioned in the christian church right so sometimes it's it's like that classic question about like if god is all-powerful then you know um then how come all these bad things happen or did god really you know this comes back to our readings of scripture and about about is is god actually good right and and so this is where we have to lean into those kind of theological undergirdings of if God is good, then this is what good, that goodness looks like. So, I mean, in, in, again, in, in Vase, just to, to give, I think, uh, like a very scratch the surface kind of view here. There is like God is good in God is um, grace and also gravity. So there, there is, you know, natural law and human freedom and the way that God's love works in the way there's in the world, sorry, there's some conditions that God has, has, um, participated in and that those conditions look like, like non-coercion so God will never force God's love upon anyone Mm. and and so that's you know we need to also play that that out like um our own our ability to have freedom and the natural law that is like like all these things that are in place that are good but can also do a, a tremendous amount of um damage like the tectonic plates shif- shifting, and gravity is like an amazing thing. But if you jump off a cliff, it'll kill you. And so there, these these um, um, these things that seem like uh, huge problems, gaps contradictions you know the goodness of god and the affliction of humanity the goodness of god and the problem of evil and um for Ve, or um or like as brad taught us in our class like you look into that abyss and it's the cross that that brings them together it's the cross that is that goodness and co-suffering um and redemption that brings that together.
1: So, so say a bit more about the cross, like so if there's grace and gravity, how does the cross span the gap between grace and gravity? What's like what is how would you how would you say that that is embodied in the cross?
0: Um Well, I think I think you you see something um, you see this, if we believe, which I do, the goodness of God, um, which impacts how I read scripture. So I'm just going to take it back a little bit more. Okay. So if, um, if I'm reading scripture and I see a God that's presented as evil, then it's an allegory. It's an, it's the, it's a picture of something that's leading me somewhere, but it can't, it's not, it's it's not telling me that God is evil because we know that God is good. Right. Okay, so the goodness of God is, um, can only be good. And you can't make something evil good, which has been a real problem, I think, in some theologies. Um, but then the, hu- the affliction of humanity, and when, you're, when you deal with that tension and you let it grab you and like, th- <laughs> you know, really throw you down... Mm-hmm. Um, it'll either make you walk away from your faith or it can make you look at the cross and see the one who's hanging there and like really look at the goodness that's there. Like look and see, like look and behold his goodness and be astonished at it And, and also his affliction. So you see the goodness of God and you see the affliction of humanity and you see them both
1: mm.
0: in the cross, in that massive abyss, in that huge hole, in that big tension, you see both of them melding together. Mm. And I think that that scripture kind of lends itself to say that in that melding, I'm healing it. Mm. I'm, brid- I'm bridging it and healing it, um, so that d- distance I think between the necessary and the good is spanned by the cross. That's a.
1: So you seem to be. You seem to does that be. That sense. Yes, it does. It's and it seems like you're you're hinting at the answer to the question: Can I be good on my own, or can I be good? separate from being a part of a community of following Jesus. You're saying that there appears to be in the cross a a picture of the the struggle that we have to deal with the rules of natural law and how our free decisions cause issues for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And the grace of goodness that we long for that that can actually be brought together in that, that really, um, yeah, that, that picture of suffering and of love at the same time. Like it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not just one or the other, it's both at the same time.
0: Yeah. And if we think, so my answer to the question is if we think that we can just be good on our own, then my answer that to that is no, that that's a very immature, um, kind of understanding of the cosmos and of, of, of our connection and about God. That's my, that's Mm -hmm. my perspective. And I would also like agree with Faye that it's not like, like you said, like she said, seemed to be saying two things. Like it doesn't need the name to necessarily like, sometimes you don't even know like you, when you're accessing something, you're participating in an eternal, and the more and more I think that we participate willingly voluntarily uh, with the divine with the good the this that lends itself to becoming more and more like Christ more and more like like the big fancy theological word is theosis like deification that mm. we can become more and more, um, but it's through participation in in the, in those eternals, in, in the eternal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that, like, this perspective that you're bringing maybe challenges, challenges us at the point of, like, it's not about choosing, can I do this on my own, or, or do I need to be a Christian to make this happen? It actually involves, like, I think it involves um, kind of a more challenging approach to our faith like because I think the the reality that maybe would like you say would maybe we would lose our faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, what we're really being called to is to take a close look at what we believe and and what is being said about the good. Like I think one of the real destructive pieces of the Christian tradition is um, people in power saying. Um, yeah, this is good because it's coming from us. Yes, you know. so... Oh, yeah
0: the the winners the winners love to d- define what is good.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so you have like so someone would say like, well, like really, like God asked uh, the Israelites to um, to annihilate the Amalekites, and then like on on the surface, genocide is is not good. I mean, it's. I don't think anybody would. Would could argue that genocide is a good thing, and yet um, there's a perspective that says, "Well, yeah, but if God if God says do it, then it it just becomes by definition good because God did this." And um, you've yeah. been sort of bringing a perspective, and you and you were saying as we were talking before that, like the Platonic from like the Plato perspective, and also the Ve perspective, but like you know, like the early church leaders they interpreted scripture with the perspective that said well we know god is good god is beauty truth and justice and mm-hmm. so when we see something in the scriptures being um <clears throat> god being identified with something that isn't good that isn't true isn't justice then we we immediately say well something else must be going on here we don't we sort of we don't sort of say well God is doing it, so it's automatically good.
0: We can't ascribe that yeah. to God. And w- one of the most beautiful things for me in this whole schooling process is realizing that, like early church people, like were doing this. Yeah. You know, sometimes people were criticized now, like, "Oh, you're changing the gospel. You're changing the scriptures." No, like people were were doing this in the first second third fourth sixth eighth centuries yeah
1: and in many ways that was happening lost bef- it it was happening before power and the empire and kind of the winners became at the center yeah. of the christian movement these were these were the people that were on the outskirts like they talked about um so yeah, if you see something sorry i just want to no, put a, a finer point on it if you see something evil
0: you don't see the whole picture so if you see something evil, you cannot ascribe it to God because God is good. Right. Now, I think Christians have often confused kind of like the, the, the necessary and the good. It's like, well, if an earthquake happened, then God must have wanted it. And if God wants it, then it's good. It's like, oh, you're confusing. You're confusing the good and the necessary. So natural law is happening here right. that... Um, so, um, oh, I, well, what, I was going to ask you something. Um, okay, sorry. Did you want to take it somewhere else?
1: No, I was just saying that, I mean, like, I'm thinking that like, rather than sort of rejecting, rejecting that perspective on Christian faith, I think we're being invited to actually look at that closer and say, you know what, um, just because you want to ascribe that to God doesn't mean that that's God, and um, we like. I think this is comes out of our our wrestle with you know how the Bible actually works. Is that a lot of this is being mediated through humans who are missing the point, right? They're they're you know they're conflating human passions to defeat the enemy with God. You know this is just the yeah. only way they can communicate it. And so, we
0: and we can do this like. It's been done like so evilly like in such an e- evilly in such an evil way in history, but even like even now we have to be so careful because allyship can also be you know colonial, yeah. it can be like there's just so many ways in which we sometimes want to we suddenly take over and want to intervene with force Mm -hmm. and good is not coercion, coercion is not good. And so as, um, you know, we also have human freedom to participate in the grace of this world. That's, we have freedom to take over and take power. And we also have freedom to participate in, in grace Mm -hmm. and good. So,
1: yes, and at the same time, point out and acknowledge when the grace and the good is taking place outside of our, outside of our community. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm thinking outside of our identified community when, you know, somebody who we've tended to treat as being separate from us is actually the one participating in the miracle that they talks about and yeah
0: and that kind of you know we like it to fit in our categories like well that yeah so that that can be disorienting Mm -hmm. for us at times but i
1: but i think it's also clear that i mean if if you like it's not hard to find it's not hard to find even in the complicated bible that we've been given where it questions this kind of perspective and it And it invites us to see the good outside of things that we think it has to be inside of, you know. And so um, sometimes the Christian faith isn't the problem. It's the way the Christian faith is being expressed and how things like power and privilege and those kinds of dynamics end up um, covering up the heart the heart of the good that's in the gospel, you know, the love of neighbor and love of God, you know, how that, that's mm-hmm. at the center of it, you know?
0: Yeah. Can I, can I tell you something that, I don't know why this is, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I was on Facebook, which I try to avoid quite a bit. Um, but um, there was a conversation going on about, like, so, so the post that somebody made was about, like wanting it was on the positive end of wanting to change the name of a highway that's in Winnipeg because mm-hmm. like because of its connection to um colonialism and
1: to yep. right yep. so it was assimilation of indigenous peoples, the eradication of indigenous peoples,
0: right, so then, in the comment section, then somebody was saying, oh yeah i like I agree." that this has been so terrible and um but you know like how far do we how far are we gonna have to go? Like how how many streets like this is our history and you know it's like it's kind of the classic mm-hmm. and oh and then this person who said, you know, yes I want to to advocate for changing the name and just kind of agreed that they kind of start talk about to talk about how well yeah those people thought they were doing the right thing then and you know and 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 it was wrong but the, you know they thought like they're kind of like make it so easy even now for people who are very sorry for what's going on and they still but they still kind of come they and i want to say myself two not in this issue per se but how quickly we can um i don't know get um subverted into this thinking that well we, we were but we were we were well intentioned and um i just think there's so much shadow in that and um like t- to me i was reading it and i was kind of not enjoying it at all, and I thought this is not good, and and everything that's being talked about, it sounds good to them, like you know, or it sounds like oh, they're very caring and very like Christian perspective, and like wanting God to heal these people, and just like, but it still f- seemed to me to be really, really missing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. I don't know, it just, it, what, I, what it reminded me of was, like, these words that, true justice, true compassion, man, the, these are mi- miracles that are bigger than walking on water and raising the dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like, I mean, one kind of understands on the surface that perspective, like, people were just doing the best they could, um, but I mean I it just reminded me of this Maya, Maya Angelou quote that's maybe been it's been around recently, people are sharing it. Um and I think it's just like it's such a good it's a good perspective. It says do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Mm-hmm. And I believe that just because a leader of a church community who was doing their level best at the time, um, 150 years ago or whatever that was, whatever that historical period is. It doesn't mean that um, because it was coming from a Christian leader that it sort of gets sort of, um, well, you know, like it's it's okay because this person was trying to bring Christ to people, you know, so...
0: Yeah, we're uh, still but, so committed to putting them in the, in the in a good light.
1: Yeah, but 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 you just said that well, coercion can't be a part. Coercion can't be a part of grace and gra- like the connection of grace and gravity. It can't That's be coercion. Right. So when a leader says that, well, the only way we're going to do this is by I mean, I think one of the quotes from this uh, particular leader. I mean, let's just name it. It's Bishop uh, Saint Fattel Grandin, mm-hmm. who so the Boulevard Bishop Grandin, and of course the community Saint Fattel. I grew up in in Saint Fattel. Um, you know, to to remove those names, I mean but this was a person who saw saw the indigenous people as being less than, and they needed to be civilized and to remove their heritage and their culture and their things that were a part of their identity. and that was that easy. was a good thing, yeah, even though it was done coercively, dishonestly. You know, I mean, like, like, I mean, if the good is justice and the good is truth, I mean, like, let's talk about, you know, we're going to get into that. Let's talk about agreements that were made that were never followed through on. What's the, what's the, what's the good of truth if one makes agreements that you don't follow through on? What's the good of justice if you treat people as less than Mm -hmm. when we believe that everybody is created in the image of God and has value, you know? So you just, you don't get a pass because you have bishop in front of your name. Mm -hmm. You don't get a pass because you're doing it in the name of Jesus. Nobody gets a pass. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets a pass, you know? And so we do our Christian faith a disservice if we don't look at that and say, yeah, not good. Not God. Mm -hmm. Not Jesus. You know, like that's being truthful and... And at the same time, we need to recognize that we participate in that at times too. And
0: all the time. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even when but,
1: we're... but we participate in something that happened 150 years ago when we say, yeah, well, they, they were just doing the best they could. You know, like,
0: well, even my Main Street, and, Main Street and Logan story is like my constant example. I'm trying to do good, and the indigenous man. He did righteousness. Mm-hmm. He he was righteous. Yeah. And I was giving looking for a toonie. So is it good enough to be good? No. Or to try to be good?
1: No. Yeah, the point the point is to be good. Right? I don't know. Isn't it?
0: <laughs> I think the point for me is to participate in the, good. in the goodness of God, mm-hmm. and to in to participate in the good, and that is no small thing. It is like the good. It is like it's everything. <laughs> it's, Great. it's a beautiful, challenging vision. Mm-hmm. So don't just try to be a good person. Don't try to generate goodness. When we're trying to do work at this Altona Community Initiative, don't try to help people. Just try to participate in good, the good of God and let Christ flow through us. Hmm. To me, the more I can access that and not try to generate it within myself it, the best I can do is get myself out of the way because, man, my compassion is, you know, it's got a bottom.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a very, that felt very, um, it was a challenging and interesting conversation around the good. And um, thanks for getting into Plato and Simone Weil and philosophy. I think uh, it was really helpful.
0: Keep, thanks for joining uh, us.
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. And uh, if you've got more things you want to input into this conversation, specifically to this question of the good, or if you want to ask other questions, then you know where to find us. And um, we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye bye.